Yeah, I don't know, man. You ever just feel like life is just catapulting towards like, some greater purpose? The only DJ crazy enough to tattoo Jackie Brown on his ass. <laughs> this is Michael Mann, and I ride with extended clip. Yeah. yeah. I'm now let's talk about this Woody Allen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna denounce him on the podcast. <laughs> no comment. Yeah, you need a, you need to come back after last week. <laughs> Wait, what did what, I do? What what Remember he got uh, the Kevin Spacey? Kevin Spacey. Oh yeah, Malcolm oh. Malcolm did enrage uh, <laughs> yeah, certain, nothing. you know, SJWs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the SJWs the SJW. are at it again. Soon he, the SJWs <laughs> are at it again. <laughs> that was bait, and everyone who liked that, I'm kind of judging them because it was just to see who the bad people are. Well, for like that tweet, no. for those who don't know, exactly, it was very woke. Uh, yeah. yeah, Malcolm edited his very popular Letterboxd review of American Beauty uh, in a very <laughs> so provocative popular. fashion, so popular. Uh, which caused some uproar on Twitter. Not real it was just I, nah, it's, it's like who cares who cares yeah, yeah just a bunch of like 19 year olds i just wanted to say sjw in a woody allen voice because <laughs> we're going to be doing a lot of that this week on extended clip uh it's episode 82 i'm one of your hosts eddie averill i'm woody allen <laughs> i'm soon ye <laughs> and our uh i almost said our host and he might as well be a host uh our guest this week is a friend of the pod uh we had him on over the phone a few months back Glad to have him here in person. You know him. You love him. It's Robert Franco. Hey, baby. Uh, we are so glad to have you back in the stew. I'm so happy to be here. And the the double feature that we're going to be talking about today is uh, Stanley Kubrick's Goodbye, uh, Eyes Wide Shut, the 1999 film, and The Purple Rose of Cairo by Woody Allen. And our thinking here is that, you know, Eyes Wide Shut is kind of film Twitter's favorite Christmas movie. That's like the the film Twitter version of, oh, Die Hard's actually a, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, that and Phantom Thread, I guess. So we, you know, and I've watched it every, I think each of the last three or four Christmases as well. But that would be unfair because this is a Jewish podcast and we celebrate Hanukkah. So we wanted to... Shout out one of our Jewish legends uh, who, you know, we, we've talked about. When uh, did we decide on this? Being <laughs> <a> Jew- <laughs> oh, God, you guys did not read, this podcast. Guys did not read my contract. <laughs> that contract All was very Patreon clearly worded. All the is going straight to Israel. To APAC. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, yeah, we decided to dip our toes into the Woodman's filmography here. Uh, to celebrate Christmas the way us Jews always do at the movies. Uh, Rob, how did you feel about this double feature? How did it ring true to your your holiday spirit? (laughs) Well, so, um, you know, the idea of doing a thrown in Woody in the mix was something Eddie and I kind of talked about. And uh, I don't, this wasn't, this is like one of the least Jewy, Woody Allen movies. True. So, uh, other than the guy who who made it, I I don't know if the DNA is really there, but you know, I I think it works with Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, definitely. In a way I I didn't expect it to. Um, oh yeah, definitely. I mean, both are kind of about desire to a certain extent. How 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 did you guys feel about this double feature? I'm looking at Malcolm, but my computer is blocking I'm hiding his behind face. The screen. Yeah, no <laughs> eye contact from me. I I mean, Eyes Wide Shut, one of my favorite movies of all time. Have watched it, I don't know, numerous amount of times. You know, still great, still enjoy it. Woody Allen, 
Now, I heard, I heard about this guy, and I decided to stay away from his movies for good reason. But, you know, I was thinking, well, maybe it's the holiday season. Maybe I could be charitable, watch a Woody, see if it gives me any buzz, makes me want to explore his filmography further. And I don't know if Purple Rose exactly did that, but you know, it, was, it, was, it was all right to watch. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I'm not familiar with, like, uh, you know, Christian tradition, but is it not part of the, the, the Christmas spirit to forgive and forget <laughs> yeah exactly is it? I, don't, yeah. I don't know well it's just that's <laughs> as a catholic and we're going to talk about this you know with the godfather series something i'm okay. a little more familiar with yeah but as a catholic you always have to look for an opportunity to forgive and absolve people of their sins and a lot of people are gunning after woody i guess no one's really talking <laughs> about him, but people in the past have said some things so i don't i don't i haven't looked into them but <laughs> I, I, I will choose to forget. We're going down a road. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Breaking news. People uh, have said some things about Woody Allen. Uh, JT, how did you feel about this pairing? And have you absolved Woody Allen of his sins? Um, Personally. I'm just going to steer clear of that one. I Eyes Wide Shut, I love and uh, is a classic. And it had been many years uh, since I watched it. And it was a treat to visit this again. Purple Rose of Cairo on the other hand, was like, at one point, I feel like I would have considered it one of my favorite Woodies. Mm -hmm. And uh, going back to it, I was like, okay, I'm probably going to like it a lot less. And I did. And it was like, it was mostly disappointing, (laughs) like, to be honest, because it was like, for the longest time when I was uh, a young uh, white boy from the suburbs, Christian, desperately wants to be a New York Jew, um, like growing up, you you can very easily latch on to the films of Woody Allen, and then I don't know. It's just it's a bummer. It's like I'm past that period in my life. Like it's nice to watch a movie that I had affection for, like a great deal of affection for at some point, but now it's just like it's it's pleasant. Yeah, but like, I agree that the movie's a bummer for maybe different reasons, but I'm kind of on your wavelength there. But the movie is sad in general as well. Mm. Uh, it's not one of the, the more fun movies like Zelig when you got Woody dressing up as people of different ethnicities and, you know, different fun <laughs> like that. But uh, let's talk about our first film because Eyes Wide Shut is a film that was not well received generally upon release. Uh, it was, you know, released after Kubrick had died and it was, I don't know. It, it's a film that has seemingly grown in stature with each year that passes. Uh, it's a film that grows with me every single time I watch it. And uh, it also, you know, people say films more relevant now than ever. And with all these, you know, elite pedophiles <laughs> going around, uh, I, I mean, I'm sure we're not the first podcast to point out eyes wide shuts relevancy today, but uh, if you don't know, what it's about um eyes wide shut isn't like tom crowe supposed to be epstein isn't that the meaning of the movie (laughs) i I don't know if that's quite (laughs) i I wouldn't quite go that far but uh okay i misread it (laughs) uh tom cruise is bill a doctor who has a wild night out on the town uh, fueled by the hypothetical cuckolding of him by a naval officer a memory from years past on one of their vacations as man and wife. Uh, The rabbit hole of deception and lust leads to the dark powers and resources of the rich and powerful. Uh, The micro, this small, passionate story, becomes uh, much more big, uh, much more grand scale, and uh, dreams become reality and vice versa, and horniness turns into fear. 
in Stanley Kubrick's Paranoid Goodbye, his his love letter to fucking and his pen or his uh his poison penned <laughs> letter uh to the elites who took him out because he knew too much. I, I don't know if it, <laughs> it's quite a love letter to fucking. No, well, yeah. in, a way, of, in a way, in a way, in a way. Well, let me I, I gotta get this off my chest okay. because going into it, like what I had heard about this movie, this is my first time seeing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um everyone's like, God, it's so horny, it's so hot. It, oh, get, yeah, I wouldn't say that. Well, well, so Who's saying that? No, that doesn't matter. Which perverts? But wait, but well so a little TMI, but going into it, knowing this about it, as as a as a little precaution, I had to rub one out before, oh, so that halfway <laughs> through the movie, I wouldn't have to you know get worked up and be like, All sure, right, I, sure. I gotta take a break. This is purely out of professional. It was, yeah, it, was it, it was a chore. I thought, Judge him if you must, I, but the like man is doing a, a job. Yeah. I, I thought you were gonna say that you were gonna like you were kind of disappointed because you were prepared to jack off. <laughs> yeah, that's to this what movie. I thought. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah you, no, you got yourself no. like half ready, no, got yourself no, half hard, and no, then you were I like, just I didn't want to get distracted. I just did not want to get distracted and interrupt the viewing I mean flow. first frame I paused I yeah I mean we usually <laughs> okay. save the JOI portion of the, of the show for the end but you know go for it this is a good, okay well so 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 I I did my thing and then I started the movie and you know the beginning I, I was like yeah this is this is this is pretty sexy like uh hot I, dancing I, I was yeah the dancing and then of of course you know what was really turning me on is all of the the love making between man and wife, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, of domestic, but that's what, what got me going <laughs> in, in, just a husband and wife having loveless sex. Look on extended <laughs> clip. We love love and there's nothing more sacred than a man and his wife. But so that, that's just the so beginning true. though. But once, once we get to, uh, the Jeffrey Epstein party, that's all out the window. I was yeah. just, there was no horniness. No, to be I, found. I think once you reach the age of 15, the party doesn't become, the, par- the party stops being sexy. Oh, but, but when you reach the age of 35, it becomes even more sexy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you know yeah. that power well, one, is the ultimate once, sex tool. Once, we, once you make your millions, <laughs> <And> status <laughs> is, is more hotter than any piece of ass you could ever get. No, but when I say it's a love letter to fucking, it's more that desire no, I, I knew, is the driving I knew what you force of the meant. movie I knew what sense. you meant. I needed a transition <laughs> yeah, for yeah, this yeah. masturbation <laughs> anecdote the that I had talk. not been planning on saying. <laughs> no, but Rob, actually, this is a really good point about how people talk about this movie or, as, yeah, yeah. as like a pornographic uh, nearly kind of thing when, you know, it's like, Something can't be about sex without people saying it's a horny movie. When yeah. in fact, this movie, this movie is hor- as I said, you know, desire or horniness turns into fear, uh, and that's kind of the whole uh, microcosm of this movie, which is on display in that first party they go to, where both, you know, man and wife, Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise, uh, it intercuts both of them flirting. You know, you have this beautiful dizzying dance sequence of this giant Hungarian man uh, with uh, Nicole Kidman and they're dancing and it's like uh, just spinning around them as they twirl and then cut that with Tom Cruise with two women, just this long tracking shot. But 
the eroticism is interrupted because a woman has overdosed and it's like that's a microcosm of this whole film is you know uh the nastiness of life always gets in the way of those pure desires because we live in a very dark world with a lot of messed up people in charge also yeah exposing like the fake glamour of elite lifestyle or something like that actually you know a lot of you know people are literally dying for it to be maintained like this uh decadent type stuff you know Sidney Pollock just trying to get that sex worker expedited outside of his hotel room (laughs) as quickly as possible you know these are the people who are affected by these you know elite behaviors uh and Sidney Pollock as pointed out to me on Twitter and I think I'd read this before Sidney Pollock wait wait what did what didn't you didn't you I thought you said Sidney Pollock pointed this to me out on Twitter no no (laughs) I look he's sometimes my phrasing no I know that's why I was confused (laughs) someone pointed it out not Sidney Pollock on Twitter Pidney Solid. All right, I'm just going to... I won't interrupt when people talk anymore. Sorry. No, it's fine. If you want to tell me what I saw (laughs) online today... (laughs) He probably saw it, too. Yeah. Do you want to tell me? I don't check shit. Okay. I don't go online. Uh, Well, I had read it elsewhere, too. We don't even need to bring up social media. But uh, Sidney Pollock's character uh, intended uh, for... uh, That role intended for Woody Allen, the director of our second film. Wow. Which obviously you Full know, circle You can't cast someone like that Who's friends with Epstein It's like you get too close to the source <laughs> And you know They don't want anything to do with the movie Wait I, I, I feel like I had heard that before But what was the I, what, Was it close I, I don't know I think that might just be one of those things That's like on oh, the Wikipedia yeah, Because yeah. enough people like said it in interviews about it. You know But I feel like there, there's no way Woody Allen and Stanley Kubrick ever talked for more than 30 minutes, you know? <laughs> like, just their their personalities are so diametrically opposed. And you never know. Like a role you that never know. Been, I mean, he's he's not the greatest guy either. Oh, of course. <laughs> you know? I mean, as I said, you know, both of them are very Absolve fascinated them. by this elite lifestyle. Uh, wh- you know, their takeaways of it being very different, of course. Uh, anyway, I don't know. I think I think Stanley would still enjoy that party. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, hey, do you think his cam- he's taking glee in it with his camera, or is he purely dreading it? I think it's a little I, bit of both. A little bit of both. A little bit of both. As we said, the film starts with this big party. Uh, JT, would you want to attend this first party at the doctor's house? No, fuck these rich pigs. <laughs> I mean, like more so than just like it being about the elite. I feel like this time around, it's like that sort of middle class, upper middle class, like bourgeois mentality of like mm-hmm. sucking up to the rich and like just how like soulless like middle class lives can sort of be like just Tom Cruise and uh, Kidman's relationship like there just feels like the height of like every loveless couple I've ever seen at work just like on their phones saying nothing having dinner with each other but like on top of that it's how much he's willing to like disregard seeing like it's funny that it's not more of like a red flag at the beginning <laughs> the overdose like that's something he's pretty willing to like sort of mm-hmm. like oh okay that's it shit happens yeah well uh, i mean it kind of implies that it, you, this has happened before yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah i ever since i first saw this movie uh, every single time I'm trapped into thinking that I want to be Nick Nightingale because, you know, he sees him playing piano, Tom Cruise, that is, sees his old friend from med school playing piano. And I'm just thinking like, oh, that's my easy life. Like I was in high school jazz band. I, I like 
I know how to, you know, play the that kind of thing. I could I could be like a session musician that just, you know, uh, eats shit for rich people, playing these luxurious parties, uh, and then I always end the movie still thinking that exact same thing. It would be very cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I always think Nightingale's the man when he shows up, especially yeah. because yeah. like Cruz is like this person who's not quite as you know, upper tier as the people at the party he's serving at. He's trying to get some upwards mobility. Yeah. He, although he, you know, he soon finds out he's just a cog in the machine. But once you see Nightingale, it's just like, oh yeah, there's someone I know, a friend, and yeah, it's just fun to chop it up. <laughs> I don't know. I think Nightingale's a snitch. Nightingale's oh. a snitch. A little fucking snitch. Okay. Elaborate. Elaborate. Yeah. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. All right. Uh, it's right. a serious thing to put on someone's name. Yeah, well, I mean, there. he is. Theor- he, on paper, he is a snitch. Snitch on the elites? Yeah. I mean, snitching is snitching. <laughs> you hear that, Snowden? Yeah. <laughs> Your ass is, we're out, we're out for you. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Exactly. I don't know if I can okay. I get, I get what you're putting down <laughs> here. I like it. I like it. All about blind loyalty. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you motherfuckers flip-flop in terms of the snitching. It's bad regardless. You know, no. yeah. Where's the loyalty now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. What I while watching this movie. I am the only real one. <laughs> <laughs> wow, some very, some very alternate takes on this movie. But you know, this movie's been talked about to death. We need some new perspectives. You know, yeah. this is what it's all about. So after the party, we then see uh, the the daily life for a little bit. You see Cruz groping some patients, <laughs> not patients, and not groping, Gro- but uh, <laughs> examining, <laughs> examining. Yeah. Uh, the cut from Cruz lifting up, you know, some old person's leg to Kidman lousing around the house half naked uh, says everything you need to know about this couple, obviously. Uh, but then it gets worse and it keeps getting worse. Uh, the next uh, big, like, I guess, set piece is at the house of this patient of Tom Cruise who had just died. Wow. And, uh, he just is having this intense conversation with uh, the new widow, I guess, who then just like starts making out with him. <laughs> that that shit is so weird. The, yeah. the, the performances in this movie as a whole are really fucking weird. Oh, yeah. So much to the point where it felt like like the movie as a whole felt like it would be a movie in a movie. Yeah. Like that's like they're not behaving like oh, people totally. that, yeah. that we normally see. I forget movies. that this is your first time watching yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's it, probably a very obvious thing that everyone well, no, says. But. It's fine, though, because like that is such an important part of it is that super detached sense of dialogue. And it's like even before shit starts going crazy, just yeah. like at the party, the flirting, the like eight seconds of <laughs> silence between each line of dialogue. Just the fact that Nicole Kidman is... Tr- Instantly ready to fuck this Hungarian. Yeah, <laughs> like she's just, oh, yeah. she is in it. You yeah. know. My name is Sandor Savas. I'm Hungarian. Oh, no, I think so Kidman, funny. and obviously a great performance by Kidman, and she always seems like she has, she knows more of what's going on, not necessarily of like a grand conspiracy of you know some eyes wide shut style party, but like kind of like she's just more secure with her own sense of fantasy and her own sense of like sexuality to the point where it's like you know you like you pair that with like kind of like this weird acting style it kind of seems like it's like there's kind of like a sort of like i don't know some sort of charade or like put on Mm -hmm. going on or like kidman's not saying you know as much as she really could and the height of that weird acting style uh those long pauses is of course 
in the infamous, most unrealistic weed smoking scene of all time. <laughs> yeah, with, uh, pretty realistic with, for me. With yeah. the, <laughs> the, the fucking drags, the sound yeah. that they used for the... <laughs> it was like just ridiculous. They're smoking. That's why they're tweaking. They're straight smoking some straight mid. Yeah, they were. <laughs> they were smoking green dirt. It was like yeah. they're smoking some nasty shit. I always look at that. And I'm like, that, just the that was one yeah. of the the hot scenes though. That yeah scene mm-hmm. where they're. Well, that's the thing. It, it leads to kind of the the dramatic crux of their relationship, which is this scene where. Uh, the pot makes her a little accusatory. <laughs> uh, aggressive, aggressive is the word yeah, he uses. Aggressive, yeah. Uh, I think the pot yeah. is making you a little aggressive. <laughs> uh, where then she describes the fantasy that she had, and Cruz is like, you know what? I need I need to go. I need yeah. to get out of here. <laughs> well, what's great about that is the escalation. She's like, yeah, I thought about fucking someone else, yeah. but I didn't. And he's like, all right. I'm going to go to a fucking sex party and then see a whore yeah. and then like do all this <laughs> shit. It's, it's just hilarious to me. Yeah. It's so great. I mean, like uh, the, the cut also from that intensity of her stare to then him in a taxi, because you don't get the out of that conversation. Really? It's just like the intensity of her stare cut to the taxi. And it's the first of many times where the interiors that feel almost surreal after a while, you get this like whoosh of reality with that cut to an exterior where it's just like so shocking, you know? Uh, and then him in the cab every time is always great. Uh, It's just lit so dark (laughs) and he's just looking so, I don't know. It, in his own mind in those cab rides where he's then fantasizing about that naval officer fucking her. Did, did you guys see the thing uh, Nick Newman posted today where it's like cut voiceover from oh, the yeah. script? That, that was shit, so weird. It's so yeah. weird, but it, it totally like fit into... The, it was like clearly trying to be like a Christmas movie voiceover yeah. where it's like, and then like the old man went to the <laughs> he contemplated his life as his wife was getting railed by by a fucking naval officer uh, and then you get him walking around and that's like the most famously artificial part of this you know uh london for new york city set where it's just like the one shot of Cruz clearly just walking on a treadmill with the green screen behind him, mm-hmm. which is one of the most beautiful things in the movie. And he just has that aggressive classic Tom Cruise gesture of clapping. He's just like, so good uh just you know he feels so robotic throughout this but the little moments of not even catharsis but like the little moments of classic cruisisms that kubrick allows him to do come through so heavy in this movie where he's otherwise so restrained you know oh man i love in that uh, like when he's walking down the street that segment where like the guys call him gay oh that is like one of the best little moments like they're just like oh you want to fuck my ass you fucking homo And just like I've taken. That's not the word they use. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Come on. Do it just. They said he was playing for the pink team, which is such a funny line. Did they say that? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, which team are you playing for? Oh, I think it's the pink team. (laughs) That's a good one. It's some some after school special homophobic bullying, uh, which is led into, though, before the guy is bragging about, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) I have to get the line right because. She had a red rose in her mouth and she was doing a Mexican lap dance right on my face. Serious. I got scars on the back of my neck. 
one of my, probably my favorite line of dialogue in any Stanley Kubrick movie. <laughs> <laughs> and something I'm very curious about trying. Yeah. Uh, uh, That's an urban did, dictionary tier yeah. sexual activity. Yeah. Um, but all of these acts just like further press cruises, uh, like mental instability and his like insecurity about his own sexuality uh and he then is recruited by a prostitute uh domino who brings him in and they almost hook up but he then gets a call uh he's so nice to her though (laughs) well that that that's a very tom Cruise. that much uh, that is how he would behave in real life in that instance Mm-hmm. No, no. T- take take the money. My pleasure. Like just classic. No, yeah, he has, he has so many real op- prostitute, real pussy. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 uh. He has so many opportunities to have sex, like before he goes to the eyes wide shut party, yeah. and like and like and he turns it down every time. And I think that's what's really funny. You know, making this a movie about desire. Yeah, someone, he's not even really wanting sex. And I have to, you know, steal the Zizek line of like how like this movie is like about like male desire competing with female desire because it's not even like tom cruise wants to like get like you know crazy and like i want to pop a bunch of pills you know fuck a bunch of hoes he's just like i'm just kind of pissed off that my wife wants to (laughs) so i gotta do fucking something to make up for that i think that's it's just hilarious and it's just yeah funny how he just kind of uh stumbles through that and he just like he you know supposedly comes to his consciousness after that phone call he leaves and then he just walks into the nightclub to see McKnight and Gil perform. It's just like he just needs to get himself into the most depraved situation he possibly can. Well, he was also he just trying to <laughs> hang with the boys. That's true. true. Sometimes he was like, he was like, yeah, prostitutes they come and go, but the boys, the boys. And come then on. the Nick kind of ruined it by like trying to brat. Yeah, like I saw some hot girls at a party. <laughs> like I saw some really. I'm you know I'm not I'm blindfolded. I, don't oh, see, they, like, I, I, I saw a few titties. I saw, so. Yeah, I saw a peek at some hot girls. Yeah. That's, what I'm, that's what I'm up to. And I love just the small That's detail. a good friend. That's a good, <laughs> friend. A good friend. The only yeah. party he has ever told you about is one where there is guaranteed titties. Well, that, I mean, that would be the one. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's a friend. Uh, anyway, speaking of friendship, uh, there as he gets the phone call with the password, I love the detail of Tom Cruise uh, flattening out the napkin for him so he can write it down. And then, of course, taking a peek yeah. at what Fidelio could possibly mean. <laughs> Uh, and the curiosity is struck and it's just like you know it's a bad situation but no matter what the curiosity is so valid Uh, but he must get a costume of course so then we go to the next like set piece which is this costume guy would you you guys hang out with this guy who runs this costume (laughs) seems like a chill blow anyone else want to go for for a joke here (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, I, I would hang I, out with the Chinese guys. Yeah, yeah, they know yeah. how to cook. Yeah, <laughs> those guys don't party. Uh, what a scene! I don't even. Yeah. Every time it just destroys me. Just the layers that unfold with every minute that passes in that in that uh, in that location, especially when they go back to it the next day. Of course, but Tom Cruise needs to uh, get a costume. The storekeeper, he has a child daughter who is being philandered by two Asian men in drag uh, who he, like, screams (laughs) at. He says he's going to call the cops, and then they just kind of hang around, I guess. (laughs) And uh, the girl then, of course, like, flees to Tom Cruise, and they exchange this glance with their faces basically touching. That's just like, oh, yeah, Tom Cruise will fuck a 14-year-old tonight if it means, like, 
it makes him feel better about his wife wanting to fuck a naval (laughs) officer. I mean, it's just funny. The contrast in the two scenes where like the first one, it's like the costume guy is like hiding the fact that he's prostituting his daughter. Yeah. But then the second time he's like, oh, you're cool, bro. Come on. Like if you want anything next time around. Any, you know, anything. (laughs) No, I think this scene's so great because I feel like it makes kind of like the ceremony a little more frightening, a little more dreadful because like the ceremony itself is just them, you know, kind of just fucking girls. I mean, like obviously in weird costumes and stuff. It, some shady ways it was set up, I'm sure. But you know, nothing, nothing like the horrors we hear in real life. But it's like then you have this scene at the costume store, and it's like it shows you that there's always you know shit peeking out from the surface that is just so fucking fucked up that you'll never really get to know. And even you and know, it's this always is, being run by poor immigrants. Exactly. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn! I he was that, he that was, was, he was, that was do- a joke. He was everything. doing pretty well for himself, I would say. He's got some high-profile customers rolling in. Nice costume store. He's making side deals. This I'll is the American dream. Side <laughs> deals. This movie's about being on your hustle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, you you said it best. You're like Tom Cruise is, you know, working at the doctor's office. Kidman's just at the house all day. Who's on their hustle more? A- answer me that. Who hustles harder in this movie? <laughs> When she is having her little ditty squeezed, do you think she ever has any little fantasies about what handsome Dr. Bill's dicky might be like? Hmm? Come on, I can assure you, sex is the last thing on this fucking hypothetical woman patient's mind. That is a very good way to look at this movie. <laughs> so then we do get to the fi- finally we get to the infamous party. Rob, what, what did you think of this, the the iconic set piece of this movie? Oh, man. I mean, I, I had seen, of course, all the images. Um, yeah, this but, is like, I, I for someone who's on Twitter yeah, all, all the time, I'm surprised yeah. you haven't seen all of this movie through. That, that, I mean, that's like kind of part of what stops you from watching a movie like this because mm-hmm. it's just like so around you all the time and like, you know, oh, I have to see this movie. It's like, really? I have to? Like, r- mm-hmm. give me a, yeah. give me a, a minute. I'll, yeah. Yeah, I'll get to it. It seems I'm, like you guys watched it for me. Yeah, it seems exactly. like it's all good. Exactly. <laughs> I'll wait till you guys stop fucking talking about it and then I'll get to it. <laughs> you um, guys got this. But, 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 God, those, those masks really are terrifying. Yeah. And that, 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 piano that mm-hmm. that dun, dun, yeah, I, I can't even yeah rip I'll it out, put but, the clip for yeah, sure. yeah, yeah but um what was very disturbing to me uh was when he's like walking around and like kind of observing all the freaky sex and you see people like 69ing with masks on that's the and creepiest it's like, shit it's like, it it's actually... like what are you guys you're not there's no sucking or fucking going I mean like, that's, just... that's what I thought was so funny is because yeah. it, when he's first watching it it's like honestly that is kind of a frightening image when they turn to each other and kind of kiss with the masks I yeah, was like yeah, yeah. this is creepy you know yeah and, and then, then like they're going down on each with other two <laughs> women with masks 69ing it's hilarious yeah. and I think that has always been Kubrick's kind of approach to sexuality because he always has that ironic detachment a little bit. So there's always going to be that little bit of humor, even sometimes it's more successful than others. You know, the whole idea of sexuality is kind of played as a joke in Barry Lyndon and like Clockwork Orange, I would say maybe less successful in its uh, humor with the sex stuff there. This movie. Oh my God. (laughs) It, It 
completely depends on who you're watching it with, uh, like when the laughs are, I guess. Uh, but I always find this movie to be very funny and yeah, kind of always funny. in different spots too, just because out of uncomfortability, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, there's like a joylessness to the fucking that I think like also like plays into like the elite like power angle of like elite sex abuse is that like how much of it is so they have like dirt on all of each other and how yeah. much of it is for pleasure. And in this scene, it's just like just with the masks on and like all the humping, there's no like it's just brutal and not <laughs> and not sexual. Yeah, um, I was disappointed there were no cock shots. Hmm. I don't, I, I'm very pro free the dick because yeah. contrary to popular belief, I am a feminist and I believe <laughs> that, that male actors should be shown hog. I'm all, yeah, hey, no, I'm there also, should be more hanging I'm dong. Also, I'm also a feminist. What, which, <laughs> which male actor is it that, oh, I think it's Scott Kahn who like brags about showing dick. In oh yeah, he does. As like a legend, as Scotty like a Kahn. equality thing because of all the actresses yeah. who have had to show their breasts in movies. So he always volunteers to show his dick in movies you know mm -hmm. but all right consider this though this is run by the elites right and they're kind of using these prostitutes in a very manipulative that's not the right word but you know in a very uh you know power oriented way mm -hmm. they don't want to see i don't you know i'm sure some you know there's there's some two two boys kissing and, and scene. But, uh, I, have no, I, I have no idea what you're saying right? no I, what i'm saying is that it's like we're not seeing any cock because, you know, the eyes wide shut guys who are running the shit, they don't want to see it. Because they're running the show. <laughs> this is about the fucking power. It's, right. an, it's I not. Know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm thinking too deeply here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if that really. I, I don't know how I would challenge you on that, but I'm you just going to say that's what's what, what are the mere peats of the uh, political elite going to that, get that, off to that's, then? That's the new generation. Well, everyone knows that Mayor Pete is a, man, a, a factory manufactured <laughs> gay man. He's not a real. He has no sexual desire. Jeez. Uh, maybe I'll cut that, but it is true. Uh, it's like a Ken doll. Yeah. Uh, I do love when he's being challenged and the woman sacrifices herself. The one like slam zoom in this movie from down below up to the banister that she's at so effective there uh, and just the way he frames all of those I guess medium close-ups of people in masks uh, especially in the taller more boxed frame I know this film all the HD versions of it are widescreen uh, but I think it really does play a lot better in 4-3 uh, especially with these single shots of people in masks uh, like the space around it really helps. Uh, really quick, because this is the first time I ever saw it, and I'm a little dumb. But they they did murk her though, right? He, Sidney Pollock was full of shit when he was yeah. like he was like it was all part of the bit. Like, oh, totally. Yeah. yeah okay. Well, we could just get to that now because we are running very long on this, yeah. and we don't need to explain the movie too much. We've already walked through it so much. Basically, he walks through the night uh, over the next day or so. Uh, he like re retraces his footsteps in a way and uh, the differences between what was real and what quote unquote wasn't become blurred before Sidney Pollock finally brings him back uh, to his pool table lounge to explain that the elites just run these ruses and you're way over way out of your depth here man what, what if I told you we were joking what if yeah. I told you we were not racist <laughs> What do Would I need to say you? to get you to leave? <laughs> I mean, what did you think of that Sidney Pollock scene toward the end? That huge, like, not really exposition dump, but really him kind of laying out his version of the story. Oh, uh, there was a part of my brain that was like, 
all right. Like, <laughs> like, like I knew that that was not the case, but mm-hmm. there was a. I was like, he seems like he's telling the truth. Like, <laughs> seems like a straight shooter. He's never lied to Tom before. He was honest when when he had the dying whore in his bathroom. So well, yeah, I mean, you know. there is a lot of truth to it. That's the yeah, thing. Yeah. He is kind of laying down the law because he well, knows it's, how it's much... also it's also more like self justification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. like he sees himself as telling the truth. He's explaining to Bill what, what he, he knows yeah. Bill knows already. You know, exactly. like he, he knows what Bill can put together. He's still gonna it's keep his lying. own but it's his own rationale of, of course. like why Yeah, she would have died anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh Sidney Pollock's introduction in this, I guess his second shot, first he says hi to them, but uh, when he first calls Bill at that first party into the bathroom and he's just shirtless with his suspenders standing in front of that Japanese nude <laughs> art, uh, one of my favorite, just like, ah, just so awesome. I don't know what that, his character just makes me laugh even though he's one of the darker characters in this movie. Uh, every time he's on screen just makes me laugh. I don't know. He just has that, <laughs> he just has that presence to it where, nips. well, it's also just like that, the the people running things can just be these guys that are these full of goofy, charisma. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, these charismatic goofy old dudes. Jews. Can, yeah, yeah, exactly. Goofy old Is Jews. He a Jew? Those He's are who run the yeah. show. <laughs> big, big time Jew. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, I can say it. You, no, you I can say it. I said it. All right. Malcolm it was JT, can, I, yeah, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> Malcolm, Malcolm gets still, the pass. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. <laughs> um, ancestry.com pass. <laughs> oh, yeah? Hell yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Um, uh, r- really quick, because I know we're kind of running long on yeah. this one, but are there, like, I didn't do any research mm-hmm. into, like, the making of, but are there, like, weird mysteries in terms of, like, the production with this movie? It took a long time, and yeah. it's kind of, kind of credited for cru- ruining Cruises and Kidman's marriage. They kind of get yeah. divorced, kind of, but nothing... That I know that's like in yeah, dark I mean, they, secrets. They, like his other ones, it was shot in England as America, so it's like very artificial, obviously. Yeah, I, I don't know. Not that I can think of. There's a ton of like behind the scenes stuff that people like to point out all the yeah. time. Uh, like, as I said, the scene of him just walking on a treadmill in front of a green screen, yeah. which looks terrific, you know. Uh, no matter how unlike New York it actually looks, uh, it definitely contributes to that dreamlike atmosphere for sure. Yeah. But there are no like major like. Nothing. I don't think okay. anyone died on set that I can. No, because because it, it, like it d- does feel like one of those movies where yeah. it's like, especially considering it's Stanley Kubrick, it's his last movie. Yeah, well, he's a fucking weirdo. Tom Cruise is a weirdo. Theory. That's like, the big theory is that the, he got killed yeah. for showing too much. You yeah, know? yeah, of course. Uh, also, Scient- okay, yeah, that, yeah, that's kind of the angle. Yeah, Scientology was mad at this movie, not so much in its message. Obviously, you could draw like metatextual. Yeah. Things of like Cruz being a you know a staunch Scientologist, but it's also just yeah. like one of their top guys uh, being a bad husband. No, yeah. What's well, also it's like <laughs> they what a good image. They, like they they didn't have access to him while he was filming this movie, and mm. they usually are like at the time they're in pretty close contact with them. So that Cooper kind of had Cruz unfiltered for a while, and the Scientologists yeah. were going crazy over it. I don't know, not not nothing nothing too mysterious. But yeah, just Scientology, I guess. Um, maybe my favorite part of the movie though is after that uh, exchange when it cuts back uh, from him realizing that he doesn't know anything and how in over his head he is to the mask on his pillow and then the camera pans up to Nicole Kidman there sleeping next to the mask uh, as the music you know turns up and it's just like 
I don't know. Uh, so incredible there as he then cries and tells her everything overnight. And it ends with them shopping for Christmas with their daughter. And uh, Nicole Kidman says she wants to fuck. And hey, what a great way to end a career for old Stan <laughs> the man. Uh, JT, any any final thoughts on this one before we wrap up? Give it a bullet rating. Um, Yeah, right off the bat, I'm going to say five bullets. Masterpiece, my favorite Kubrick. Um, but to go at like what I mentioned earlier about like the sort of bourgeois complacency of the film, there's one moment that I really like that we didn't mention where it was like uh, when Cruz is like going to the hospital and he's in the morgue and uh, is like sort of <laughs> uh, you can wait till he's done talking you ruined it it was, it was, I, it was, I, was, it was flawless was, and yeah, smooth it was not smooth <laughs> the listener will the they didn't know sorry it's Jesus. okay Eddie was really the one who interrupted not me <laughs> fuck keep going you know guest uh, star has their demands we gotta fulfill them but there's like a moment there where Cruz is in the morgue where the complacency is sort of broken for like a second there. And he's like confronted with this horrifying reality of like a dead person, like directly in his line of vision. And I feel like that's what usually during times when like the middle class is sort of pushed left is like they see the actual physical reality and like people like poor people dying. That is what like pushes them to change. Um, but then it's just, I don't know, it, it really felt like more sickening this time around that he goes back, he gets to hear this like explanation that he needs. And then the movie wraps up with sort of like, I mean, obviously it's dark and it's not a, a particularly yeah. happy ending, but he's ready and willing to swallow the pill that he needs to just completely forget about it and, uh, move on. Yeah, I mean, it kind of seemingly wrapping up in a neat bow is kind of the point to the darkness. Yeah, I was, yeah for sure. Mm -hmm. um, Malcolm. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take it over from here. <laughs> no, um, yeah, Five Bullets, one of my favorite movies of all time. And like you said, Eddie, I feel like I get something more out of it every time I rewatch it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's such like a deep artificiality to this movie is kind of something I picked up on the way through, you know, through the like the stilted performances to like... Even the visuals, like they're, uh, I love how their apartment has like these deep blues in the window, like very just artificial looking and stuff like that. And that kind of like, I don't know, interacting with Cruz, having this very like real revelation and just kind of like, you know, what you said, JT, just kind of like, all right, I'm just not going to, I'm going to deny it and not think about it anymore because it's too powerful a thing for me to comprehend. So, um, yeah, one of my favorite movies. Nice. Who wants who wants to go up next? Yeah, well, what about you, Rob? How how'd you feel about your first time watching? Uh, where, where, where does it rank among the Kubricks on, on first glance? Ooh, ooh. That just, might be too tall of a question, yeah, yeah, yeah. but maybe just your final thoughts on the um, movie. <laughs> well, really quick, because I got brutally accused by <laughs> Eddie. Oh. I, I just want to say, I was just trying to set aside the empty can. That That's all I was going for. <laughs> it wasn't about okay, that. It I wasn't just, about... Hey, <laughs> it's my... I'll speak my piece after you. Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, so, sorry, JT. Sorry, Eddie. No, I, I ruined the podcast and I, I'll never come back on. I just wanted to give you another beer. Well, see, that was him. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to set aside my empty. That's it. Anyway. It's it wasn't like, hey, about we... whether you were setting aside the empty 
or getting another beer. I'm not accusing you of over drinking or anything like that. All right, all it right. It was more that you're you're gesturing toward JT, the wobbling of the mic, the the stilting of his uh, vocal delivery okay. in that action, interrupting the flow of the podcast. You're right. You're right. That, I'm, that I'm is sorry. my, my main sorry. concern more than anything. I'm sorry. Please go ahead. <laughs> and I'm sorry to the listeners. Although, yeah. I will never apologize to the listeners. Yeah. Uh, well, I, 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 I was lying. So there you go. Um, All is forgiven. No, up. no. <laughs> so um, it, it's I, I don't usually give um, movies fives when it's like the first time. So I'm going to hold off on that. It's probably a four and a half bullets <laughs> from me. Um, I liked it a lot. Um put it on the Kubrick rankings um either top 3 or top 4 damn for sure for sure for um, sure um yeah i think so um yeah no uh, I, I i love this one this is this is amazing yeah. I, i'm i'm going 5 bullets this is for me this and Barry Lyndon kind of occupy a space of kind of going back and forth which one i like more but yeah, I don't know. It's just incredible. Sometimes, sometimes you just want to be a fly on the wall at one of these crazy parties. But uh, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta reap the consequences, even if you are just a fly on the wall, or partake in the fun, or if you yeah. partake in the fun. But you know, sometimes you just want to be a fly. <laughs> on the wall. That's that's Eddie's preference. By, yeah. by the way, you just um, want to watch. Yeah. I, I, all right, one. Look, I, I, I'm a big yeah. De Palma fan. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. All right, one one video. I think that could be a key. Uh, B text to eyes wide shut. There's a video of OT Genesis um, explaining Leonardo DiCaprio's birthday party and describing how like <laughs> they're just giving each other like five hundred thousand dollar checks and stuff like Damn. that. And, like uh, models are being rolled in, and he was just describing how overwhelmed he felt that he couldn't even quite comprehend it. Well, Look up that pussy. DJ Vlad. What a interview. pussy! Yeah, I, I know Rob would have been killing it at that I, time. I would have. <laughs> Knowing Rob, <laughs> no, would have gone down to some business. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll be right back on the standard clip. <laughs> he brought me, and I was like, um, we just happened to be chilling with in New York. It was snowing, it was snowing too. That shit was popping in there. Never seen nothing like it. Never, not ever in my life. Not ever, ever in my life. What, what made it so different? Because, you know, you know, I mean, being in the music industry, we go out to a lot of parties. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? So it's like you get to a point okay. where nothing really impresses okay. you anymore. Okay. I, I love to talk about this. I, I, I love to, to tell you about this. This is okay. crazy. Okay. So first of all, okay, you being in the urban community and you go inside the clubs, you're in there, you know, people want to feel good. So, you know, they pop a couple bottles and, you know, I mean, everything, get an ace of space. Da, 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 da. Okay. Whatever. Fine. Cool. We go inside this motherfucker. It's his birthday party. Um, somebody got a check for him for like a hundred thousand. Another, so I think somebody else got gave him like a check for like two hundred and fifty thousand, like just him for his birthday. It's like they like standing on stage, like oh yeah, I have this for you, yeah yeah whatever. So then, where was this guy from? Oh, he was from Texas. He was like um, yeah, I'm from Texas, and <laughs> he got on stage. He like um, what he say? Uh oh, um. I got, I want to spend, tell a wait, waiter to come here, I'm spending 300,000 on, on bottles. So you get the Magnum bottles, the big ass Magnum bottles. So you get, I'm gonna spend, I have 300,000. So I was like, okay, he's like, tell somebody to beat that. And he went, he, 
poked his chest out, walked off stage, those bottles start coming. The girls start bringing the sparkles with these little things that say baller, and they dancing. I'm like, this shit crazy. They spent 300,000. You go in the hood, niggas go crazy if they spend 1500. Yeah. This nigga spending 300,000. Something I know you love. Mm. Well, and now you will talk about TV. Yeah, <laughs> now I will talk about the Sopranos. <laughs> uh, we're back on extended clip. It's Malcolm in the Middle, everyone's favorite segment. You know what? No, it's not. It's the Patriot. Go to our Patreon. Uh, it's two dollars a month, and you. Uh, this is such a horrible way to advertise <laughs> it. You get some fucking other episodes or some shit. There's it's yeah, on there. It's whatever. Yeah. Chill. Fuck it. Yeah. All right. Fine. I guess. <laughs> no, that's, no, 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 I, I, I guess that's how we do that now. Uh, now it's everyone's favorite segment. Malcolm in the middle. Um, okay. Yeah. We do a bonus episode every week. We should at least say that legibly. Legibly, audibly. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Allegedly, we have a Patreon. <laughs> may or may Alleged- not be there. There might be bonus episodes. Maybe check it out. You might have a good time. None of this is concrete. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back on Extended Clip. Um, it's everyone's favorite segment, Malcolm in the Middle. Malcolm. Yeah. Have you watched anything particularly enticing recently? Yeah, you know what? We're, you know, we're kind of, you know, a little peek behind the curtain. We're doubling up on episodes this week, so the you know the workload is you know is pretty pretty heavy. So I just wanted to watch something light, you know, give my mind a little bit of rest, a little bit of ease. So I watched a little uh, pink movie called Nun in Rope Hell, and it's about this uh, this woman who goes to be a nun to kind of uh, run away from her relationship, and uh, there's a man who's like very charitable to the nuns. And he eventually lures, you know, every new nun to his, you know, dungeon and, you know, does torturous ropes. Yeah. Torturous sex racks to them or or ropes, whatever you want to call it. Um, (laughs) There are so many pinkus that have rope in the title. And I had not I had not even thought about (laughs) shooting ropes. That was like first place. I'm never gonna look Rope at the genre hell, the same way. Fucking blasts them, dude. He's, I have, I have. He does one. these nuns a blessing by just blasting <laughs> on their face. I have one called Female Teacher Rope Hell. How much <laughs> is there? A good amount of rope action in that? Uh, not really. Okay. Honestly, I I do also have one called Rope Cosmetology, but I talked about that one a few weeks ago. That one's more about fucking dogs than yeah. getting tied up. Nice. Anyway, go on. Sorry, tight. sorry. No, yeah, and there's there's a good amount of rope play. In this one, it's it's morally just about like this really deprived uh, author who just kidnaps these nuns, and there's kind of like one of the nuns is a procurer for him, so it's, she has like a weird romantic attachment to it. It's a it's a short movie, and it you know tends to go very like stylistic in its scenes. Like there's a bed that um, if the women sleep on it, they have like these weird sex dreams, and mm-hmm. it's like has like this strange red background, and uh, it's just it's it's a good time. And uh, I noticed not a lot of people had a uh, Seen this one, so if you're looking for some some rope action, <laughs> I don't think you could do too much better than none in rope hell. Damn, 
Uh, what about you, JT? Um, earlier today, I was like, okay, I have some time. I've, I, I got ahead of myself. I watched all the movies I need to before strolling into the studio. So I was like, I'm going to watch one to treat myself. And I'm browsing through my hard drive. I was like, I want something weird, something I've never seen before. And I stumble on uh, 1983's City of Lost Souls by Rosa von Praunheim. And he is like a, a, a queer filmmaker, like mostly, I think, based out of Germany. This one is set in Berlin, like featuring like a, a like there are a good bit of like the cast is transgender um, about this like weird gay community of like the the lead woman Angie Stardust. She has this restaurant called Burger Queen that's like this filthy, like absolutely disgusting, like uh, diner. And then all these gay people just like live in like an apartment above it and like work at the restaurant. And it's just like a, a series of like wild satirical sketches that are also like um, some like musical stuff. There's uh, the one actress whose performance I really like. Jane County is up was like rocks like first uh transgender like singer and she's amazing she has a lovely performance in this and it's just weird and over the top there's one like scene where she uh Jane County has become like a stripper and she's like talking um to this her coworker who's a man who does drag shows and she's just like squishing food in her hand um midget gangsters rob the diner at one point it's just it's it's all fucking over the place and it was exactly what i needed like john waters style like amped up to a 10 and uh very funny very dirty and like no subtlety whatsoever i i absolutely loved it nice yeah i i Wanted to add that to my watch list uh, when I saw you log it, and then I remembered that I finally made my watch list public, and I need to commit to it being very concise and only very fun titles. So I have, uh, right now, the only films on my watch list are Da Hip Hop Witch, and I Accidentally Domed Your Son. (laughs) Uh, Rob, have you watched anything uh, particularly good or notable recently? I don't know. I don't want to say because <laughs> at the break, Eddie was kind of hostile with me. I think he's still upset about the, the beer situation. <laughs> Here I was going to talk about one of his favorite films, Sully. Oh, jeez. And then he goes, he goes, would you watch The Sopranos <laughs> in, in, in a tone that is like, that's all I ever do. So I don't know if I want to talk about Sully anymore. I don't even like it anymore. Uh, no, no. Uh, Sully's great. Uh, yeah, that's what I watch. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Big uh, thumbs up. Would you say uh, big thumbs up? Big, bigly thumbs up. Uh, Tom Tom Hanks, great. I'm. He's not one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, typically, I think he, he he's just got that like, yeah, hey, he's a good guy. He's yeah, all right. Exactly. Um, but but they're. <laughs> 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 well, wait, I, I'm, I'm talking about uh, as an actor. Okay, As an actor, sure, he's sure. always like the the, the separate the, the art from the artist. Like, We're about uh, to talk about exactly. it. Exactly. 
Uh, <laughs> um, I absolve his sins too. If we're being fair, <laughs> you're Jeez. absolving Tom Hanks of putting his blood in the COVID vaccine. <laughs> Let's see how good it works. You might have the right stuff. Anyway, Rob, sorry to cut you off. Oh uh, no, it was a good one. Um, yeah, no, that was like one of the the most impressive Tom Hanks mm-hmm. performances I've seen. Um, great film. Yeah, it's weird for the Clint because of uh, like we, the Clint. <laughs> weird within that period of Clint in the flashback structure being just like so crazy. Uh, like he's you know he utilizes flashbacks a lot in his films. I wouldn't. I don't know if a lot is even the right way to say it, but. Uh, that film is just like, I don't know. We did a whole fucking episode about it and you yeah. can listen to it. But I constantly am thinking about the way that he structures that film with flashbacks, nightmares and forward time, I guess. Uh, Sully, check it out. I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you know how good that movie is. What you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. going to say, I wish I had something to add. You I feel like we've talked about Sully in the middle segment like at least like five or six times. Probably. That's yeah. good. Yeah. We need to get those numbers up. Rob, <laughs> did you want to ask me that again? Yeah. Well, what would you watch? <laughs> <laughs> Eddie? Eddie, what did you watch? I watched a lot of things. Um, okay, we'll pick one. I... <laughs> <laughs> Run a little long here. <laughs> well, you know, I figured if we're going to be talking about Clint Eastwood, we might as well talk about the other icon of the um, podcast, John Luc Godard. Oh. A late period effort of his, uh, Notre Musique from 2004. This is structured around uh, Dante's The Divine Comedy. And, you know, first you get... Y- you get hell first, the the first segment. And it's basically this montage of shot and reverse shot of like attacks and like violence and atrocities, both documentary footage and from like old Hollywood films. So you'll see documentary footage of people getting shot by like military and stuff like that. And then basically in a reverse shot will be, you know, the Native Americans attacking the cowboys in stagecoach or something like that. Uh, And it's just like a classic Godardian montage, a little essay into itself. Uh, But then it sets up the main part of this film, uh, which is Purgatory. And it's set around this like conference in Sarajevo. And Godard has always been very passionate about, I don't know, the reconciliation of like the after the ethnic cleansing in that area and the remembrance of those atrocities. And so it's this like conference and all of these people from all over the world speaking. And they're basically all speaking in citations from like historical texts and movies and stuff like that. Like a lot of late period Godard is. And also you have Godard just giving a lecture for about 15 minutes of this on like shot reverse shot where he's just like holding up a shot reverse shot from a Hawks movie. And he's like, these are exactly the same because Hawks doesn't know the difference between a man and a woman. <laughs> like, And then he basically does the same thing with like, you know, Israeli soldiers going into this body of water. And he's like, they went into the water to reach the Holy land. And then uh, he shows Palestinians going in the same water. He's like, and they went in to drown. And he's like, one is, you know, documentary one is fiction. And it's obviously a provocation, but also 
this is the first example where I've seen Godard going off on these like old man tangents of like philosophic, like philosophy of politics and aesthetics that like drive the last 30 years of his work where he's allowing people to like laugh at him. You know, the people in the audience of this lecture are just like talking over him and laughing at him kind of, and he's kind of indulging in how indulging in how almost insane he sounds, but also in how his connections all are rooted in his incredibly deep knowledge of you know fucking books and movies basically (laughs) you also have his famous you know girl in a gun is all you need to make a movie whatever uh showed the first two shots of this movie you have this image of a dead woman on the street like uh like handheld digital image uh and then right after that the next cut is to like a turret mounted on a tank uh i think in the west bank i'm not sure and then after that, you get the title card, the classic French, you know, visa de control, whatever, which, you know, those three shots is literally that, you know, equation, quote unquote. So, uh, yeah, it's just classic fucking Godard going crazy the whole time, uh, just breaking your brain with every association of image and text that he possibly can uh, and still being productive, not just showing off how smart he is, like some of his stuff feels like sometimes, admittedly. Uh, the third segment, Paradise, is beautiful. Even the afterlife has U- U.S. military occupation. Uh, they're like U.S. Navy officers with guns just posted up in this like beautiful greenery uh, where people are near this like lake just chilling, reading detective fiction. Uh, and that's what Paradise is. And that's how the film ends. Uh, and it's a masterpiece. It's like really stuck with me over the last few days and risen up in my Godard rankings. Uh, so, yeah. Sorry, I went so long on that. But watch Notre Music. Watch out for Eddie's Godard rankings. Dropping oh, soon. Dropping in maybe <laughs> two years, I will say. I have like 50 more. So I, I've seen like 80 out of 130, I think. Damn. Something like that. Yeah. We'll be right back on Extended Clip. I gotta take a piss. Heaven. I'm in heaven. And my heart beats so that I can hardly speak. And I seem to find the happiness I see When we're out together dancing cheek to cheek Just putting in the work isn't enough sometimes. You know, you need to, uh, you know. <laughs> That's true. Work at 110%. It's about hustle. It's about being better than the next guy. Yeah, Jeez. you see everyone giving 100. You give 110. Eddie's a taskmaster. <laughs> <laughs> we just have male soul mentality. Yeah, I'm yeah. not talking about <laughs> podcasts. I'm talking about lifestyle. Well, that's yeah. mindset. From looking at all those Instagram accounts, like yeah, how exactly. to become a billionaire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the male soul lifestyle has taken over us all, you know. Hell I'm yeah. just looking out for my boys. I want them to succeed. Oh, it's all good. Yeah. Unless it knocked over a can. That was yeah. not me. Just, uh, yeah. See, JT's not perfect. I know, I know he's always the one who gets away with murder. <laughs> JT. <laughs> JT's the most innocent man on this podcast. Uh, this did get a little wrapped up, though, there. I'll just well, squeeze in tight. Oh, thank you. Uh, the second double the second double feature? No. That's wrong. The That's... second feature of our double feature uh, is The Purple Rose of Cairo, the 1985 film by Woody Allen. And uh, it stars Danny Aiello, Jeff Daniels, and his muse of the era, Mia Farrow. Uh 
famous, I would say, mostly for her skills in motherhood. (laughs) Famously successful marriage. Famously successful mother, I would say. I love that we're starting off (laughs) the Woody Allen thing by blaming me. She's hey, hey, I didn't. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Put words in our mouths. We're nothing but sincere here in our admiration. And speaking of saying, oh, like a swarthy Italian man, uh, Danny Aiello does play something of a proto Humpty from Wonder Wheel in this. Uh, You know, I called the dice character in Blue Jasmine. Oh, totally. Yeah, I called Humpty the biggest alpha in the Woody Allen filmography. But yeah, those two definitely are right up there with him. I still go Humpty number one. I was gonna. I think Woody was ahead of the trend with this Italian racism stuff. Yeah, he yeah. seems to have real contempt for Italians. It makes they're pretty stupid. Yeah, they just spend all day throwing pennies at a wall. Like, <laughs> <literally>. <laughs> women. They literally say, "Well, I'm gonna give up on finding a job and throw pennies at a wall all day." And that's what Danny Aiello's job is in this movie. And you know, I'd love to work like that. You know, we talked about the wheelbarrow pushing factory during City Lights, and this is another one. One of those classic <laughs> things that people used to do in the old times. <laughs> hey, it's a living, man. <laughs> it's a living. It's a living. Uh, Rob, you you had seen this one before, right? Yeah, I haven't seen it since uh, high school when I kicked off my mm. my Woody phase. Okay, in life. okay. Uh, um, what'd you think of it this time around? I liked it more than I did before. Mm. Um, I had forgotten a lot of it. Uh, the one thing that I remembered the most is, uh, you know, when I first saw it in high school, I remember feeling really bad by the end of it. Uh, really, really, I just felt for Mia Farrow, and that, like, kind of left a bad taste in my mouth always with this movie. And uh, this viewing was no different. I yeah. still felt that mm-hmm. feeling. Um But I enjoyed the movie as a whole mm-hmm. much more than I did when I first saw it. Maybe I am getting old and stuffy and lame, but I kind of like the serious Woody Allen movies more. I kind of like Mia Farrow in the another, even though I, I think I would Mia c- call is, this a more of a serious one than I would say any of them that have the goofy jazz music don't count as the serious one. Even though this is definitely more on the serious side of the ones that have yeah, goofy yeah, jazz yeah. music. I see what you're definitely, saying. Definitely, definitely. But of like Interiors, Another Woman, September, the Oh, the, so you the like the, the, the really the like the really serious Yeah, the Bergman ones. ripoff ones. Okay. Uh, which I like more than Bergman uh, because I'm not a Swede. I'm a Jew. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but I, I, I think something like Another Woman uh, in which Mia Farrow is like a secondary character uh, allows her like dramatic chops to shine a little more. But I will say she is re- in terms of this era of Woody, like she one of her best performances definitely is in this movie. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. There, there's nothing like seeing a, a depressed person go to the movie, uh, a depressed person go to the movies to find solace and just crying more because, uh, Hey fellas, we've all been there. Haven't we? Uh, no, oh, okay. <laughs> no, Malcolm and I are alphas. We don't, yeah. we do not cry. Alphas by trade and measure. Hell, but, uh, <laughs> hell yeah, brother. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, hey, we've all shed a couple tears at a movie theater. I feel like, yeah, there's... I, I, I Right off the bat, you know, it does get some, some sympathy from me because it is like pulling out those strings of, you know, movies being a big part of someone's life and, like, how people will watch them to kind of escape the, you know, horrors of their own life. But then that's pretty much 
kind of it for her. And, and then and then and then it's kind of then like you have the concept come in and the concept's fun. I feel like it's kind of I don't know. I, I didn't quite like this movie to be honest. I was mm-hmm. kind of I kind of feel like it's has a lot of half baked premises that kind of just end abruptly with Mia Farrow kind of getting left in the dust and crying. Yeah, I mean I definitely co sign that. Like that was one thing that like I don't know. My memory of this was that it carried out that sort of like stuff with like absorbing yourself in the movies and like letting it take over. I feel I had a memory of that being more like complex, but in this, like there's only sort of the usual Woody sort of faux existential stuff that he really Mm -hmm. doesn't explore that much. I I was going to say along those lines, uh, like when the fabric of reality and fantasy has completely been, you know, torn and, uh, the characters are kind of, you know, waxing existential on stage for, ju- or no, I say on stage because the movie within the movie does feel very uh, play like, uh, but it is like a 30s early talkie, I guess, maybe. So makes sense, I guess. In full screen. Yeah. Yeah. That That's the other thing is I will get to it. The inconsistency between the Academy ratio and then when it goes into full screen. Uh, or when it goes into widescreen, rather, the black and white stuff. That bothered me way more than it should have, and yeah. probably more than it bothers most people. <laughs> so I shouldn't really mark it against this movie. <laughs> For some reason, that really got my goat, but that's just me being a lame nerd. And Woody Allen being really cool, obviously. <laughs> Not giving a fuck, dude. He was yeah. just trying to finish shooting that day to watch the Knicks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the the questions of like reality and fantasy are kind of played off as a joke like oh whatever you know um and i think that is kind of a microcosm of what's wrong with this movie is it has all these interesting ideas that it doesn't quite explore interestingly enough but the backbone of it is still an enjoyable movie you know like it has the performances there it has that classic woody breezy 81 minutes you know (laughs) or whatever it is 85 minutes this one um it, it moves along really nicely and it looks very good like most of the movies in this era do. Jeff Daniels is really fantastic oh, here he kills as it. the the split personality of the character in the old movie and him as an old-timey movie star as well. Oddly enough, uh, of all things, this his performance kind of reminded me of Gordon Cole in season two of Twin Peaks, <laughs> yeah, when when that. um when he first hears Shelley talk, and he's like, "My God, I can hear you just per- clean as a bell, <laughs> um, clear as a bell." Yeah. Um, yeah, that that whole like when he sees her and he like leaps out like that whole tone, very I felt very similar to David Lynch in uh, Twin Peaks season I- two. I agree. I think there's like a an overwhelming like positivity about like some I mean the depressing points where it's like uh Mia Farrow is uh her husband is abusing her and cheating on her. That's obviously very heavy. Mm-hmm. But I think it's easy to get lost in like uh Daniel's charisma and just like the general playfulness of like oh a movie characters escaped that like carries most of the fun for me. Yeah, I mean, for anyone who doesn't know what this movie's about, since we haven't really said so, yeah. uh, Mia Farrow plays Cecilia, who has to escape, you know, her abusive uh, relationships and the Great Depression surrounding her. So she takes refuge at the movies, and she goes to the movies until they become real. My God, you must really love this picture. Me? 
You've been here all day, and I've seen you here twice before. You mean me? Yes, you, you, you. This is the fifth time you're seeing this. Henry, come here, quickly. I gotta speak to you. Oh my god! And uh, Jeff Daniels' character steps out from the screen, and they have this romance together. Uh, and more than anything, the drama surrounding a movie character entering the real world is both about Danny Aiello's jealousy and the movie uh, production company uh, wanting to make sure that they weren't going to lose money because of this, uh, which is comical, but again, doesn't quite dive deep into it enough for it to be like, there, there's like interesting potential there that doesn't, it doesn't quite mine, I would say. No, I feel like it's main interest, like though this movie, what it seems to want to do the most is just kind of play with what um, Tom Baxter, the um, Jeff Daniels character, mm-hmm. That what just uh what he could do in real life and what you know kind of like a real life hindering movie logic and it kind of goes through that like concept through concept and it's kind of enjoyable sometimes but at the same time it's like I don't we don't really get to see this character I guess uh, I don't know exist outside of like setting up the rules for what it could do damn yeah he like pretends to struggle with like mortality and stuff like that like when he's at the brothel there's like the whole like him like having questions of like what it means to be real versus fake but i don't think it treads that into anything interesting (laughs) (laughs) no we're we're going a little negative on this one which i think like i i didn't have a full negative takeaway from this rob i know you like this what did you like about this movie that what are the haters not understand no 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 i'm i i can't really disagree with anything being said i'm just like so i Lately in this stage of my life, I'm so far removed from, like, academia and, like, really being super critical about mm-hmm. shit just because I'm, I'm so bummed out all the time. <laughs> Typically, like, when I go into a movie, I, 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 I want to be like... All right, it's probably fine. Yeah, you know what I mean. So like, which it is. Yeah, I, I think I, this movie. Yeah, I, I, I got. Right. I got what I wanted out of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked it more than I remembered liking it. Yeah, it was funnier than I remembered. Um, and like that, that hit at the end is still like it still cut cuts deep enough mm-hmm. where it's like that. Eh, that's all it needs to do. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's one of his masterpieces i i i do know that there are people that do think it think of it as that him being one of them yeah it's one of the only films he does not regret making um which is funny yeah um (laughs) but uh it's probably because he's not in it and he doesn't have to look at himself maybe I feel like that has to do uh, with crimes. It, crimes is one of the oh, okay. ones he lists. He, he is not. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that Hall, one's just though, a masterpiece. He, yeah, yeah. Annie Hall, though, he says, "Fuck yeah. that, burn it with fire." Annie Hall, though, I get why he hates it, though, because that's one that was the most like radically reconstructed in editing. Yeah, but and like, if you on. have an idea from yeah. the start, like he probably had that movie in his head how he wanted it, and he just hates that the final product yeah. isn't that. Which you know. Outside of the animation sequence is a masterpiece. Really? That's the the one the one that's the thing that that, that makes it not a masterpiece. I mean, just for you? watching it over the years over and over, I'm always just like, ah, oh, this part again. Come on, oh, man. man. Like, Wild. Interesting. Um <laughs> But no, so I, I I don't disagree uh with any of the criticisms being said about this film. He kinda doesn't Tom Baxter doesn't really go anywhere interesting beyond the uh 
yeah, I'm from a movie. Like yeah. it's kind of it's <laughs> yeah. more of a quirk than like really exploring something uh, that hasn't been said mm-hmm. um, by anyone previous. A uh, strange refrain, I will say. Uh, and I don't want to be too glib about the subject matter, but is that like everyone is scared uh, that the character that's on the loose is raping women? Like five different people yeah. say like he could be. One of the quotes here is, you know, there's a double of you running around. He could be robbing banks or raping broads. Like that. That's the two things yeah. it goes to. Is like I don't know. It caught me so off guard. On are you trying to? I, try, I did not. I did not put any thought into no, it. That, I was like, oh wow, tw- two mentions because because <laughs> they mention it. Yeah, that times. and like the maid stuff. Like, oh yeah, that well, was well, just like that well, got to, me. It's supposed to, to be it, a '30s movie. To tie yeah. it back. To tie yeah. it back. Hollywood elites. Yeah, it's yeah. True. That's well, why they, I they don't. They don't want Tom Baxter to fucking expose the rape. They, they don't want. That's oh, why. Oh. That's the first place well, they I guess, go to. I guess I can't like, technically disagree with you there. Damn. Well, we I don't. don't know. We don't want the movie characters to get off the screen because they'll tell about Hollywood's yes, misdeeds. Yes, they know. Okay. They know exactly. Okay. Exactly. We ended up in a place there that makes kind of sense. Okay. <laughs> Full circle, baby. I guess. I guess my problem is like it doesn't have to be like groundbreaking, but it's just like not that fun to me. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I think Daniels is somewhat charismatic, but it's just. Do you, Do you think part of that is the um the setting of just like well I, I depression? Think, I think I era. think so. Well, that's here's the thing. It's like it's not. I don't even that doesn't really affect me in this because it's just like Mia Farrow just says it like five times. It's like, oh, I don't know if you want to live in here. It's the Great Depression. Like it's just like I don't. It's not really examined well enough. Or I mean, in a no, way I'm to where more, I more mean like in a visual yeah. in a, a because like when I first watched okay, this yeah. as a kid, like that that's part of what what took me away like there are certain films where just visually i'm bored like yeah. like any like a lot of woody like, stuff too like how, well what, not half but i like haven't a third seen, of woody's movies i haven't <laughs> seen barry linden okay yeah i i i think it i yeah. know it's a masterpiece and yeah one of one of the great films that i have not seen mm-hmm. part of the reason why i haven't seen it is because like that era typically you know those dresses, those yeah, just costumes, like period stuff from that bores era. the fuck out of me. Yeah, just I, I looking at it yeah. like not even intellectualizing it. Yeah. I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh god, yeah. hoop skirt. No, dude, I think that's part <laughs> and, of it. And yeah, I think it, I sure. think the depression yeah. era is kind of visually the same way. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot of eras of old timey shit that I'm just like, I don't want to look at this. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And exactly. honestly, Barry Lyndon fits that. It's just that Barry Lyndon is a master. For sure. For yeah. sure. I, that I was think, just the first example yeah, yeah, I could yeah. think of. I think this movie kind of looks good, though. To yeah, be no, honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it Jordan looks Willis. Like, it just looks like a Woody Allen movie more than a Great Depression movie. Uh, it, it just looks like another, yeah, Woody Allen doing an old timey movie. It doesn't really have a. De- great depression aesthetic i would even say it's more of just like a 30s like kind of brown aesthetic yeah yeah, exactly. yeah that that's more what i mean yeah let's see oh also uh the the confrontation between danny aiello and jeff daniels uh that the like fight. climaxes their love triangle they're the worst fist fight of all time <laughs> 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 which i guess is to a point like uh, it's supposed to be comical but oh my god once once he actually does take him down and is just like punching him from above it's yeah 
it's really poorly staged. I hate to yeah. say it. Like what? I mean, I know Woody is not known for being like a, a god of mise en scène. And I, I don't know. I kind of be a little theatrical and lame, but the the physical combat there did, it was not exactly fun to watch for thirty seconds. I don't know. I I thought it was funny. Yeah, it was. Like, like, I, it felt all intentional. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But then it kind of like I, I think it it's dragged funny on. First, you think it's funny the first two times they miss punching each other, yeah, yeah. and then yeah. it's like. Like, then we got to get a couple punches that land. Then he's got to take the guy down. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I okay. That, that scene was just entertaining to me because I'm like, let's see how Woody does an action scene. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> that's just like, yeah, that's entertaining. That's but it's not me. very well that he does the action. No, it kind of it kind of yeah. looked like. Big surprise. It kind of looked like uh, <laughs> like a Street Fighter game. Like, oh. when, 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 <laughs> like well, okay, oh my now, God. now one punch. It was real Irish Street Fighter fighting. game filled with Woody <laughs> Allen characters. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oh, Je- Jesus. Jesus. I can't believe you dissed my action. I wanted it to look like Lao Kar Long. <laughs> I was influenced by Yoon Woon Ping. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> also, you have Diane Weist as like a 30s prostitute. <laughs> like, the most unconvincing 30s prostitute ever. But it's funny. Uh, and Jeff Daniels takes a visit to the old whorehouse and, uh, you know, tempted by uh, These desire. Generous whores. Oh, oh, very generous. Very generous old time prostitutes. Uh, which Hi, girls. This is Tom. Hi there, ladies. Don't you all look enticing? I know what you want. You want to be the great white hunter and you want me to be the tiger. Well, Gonna know. blow you because yeah. we like you so much, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> fellas. My kind of my, my kind of gal. <laughs> yeah, to speak poetics to a yeah. bunch of. Uh, I'm sure they'll love that. I, I love anytime Woody Allen has anything to do with sex work in any of his movies. It's always like just directly the one experience he's had with uh, it in the, his life, probably or seen in a movie. The best was in Rainy Day. Oh yeah, when, oh, when we find out that uh, Timmy sees mom. Once was a whore. Yeah, that is the greatest. God, that that's how she made the family's millions. Yeah, is by really. Yeah, did you see it? (laughs) No, no. Rainy Day in New York's a sex work positive movie. Timothy Chalamet like brings a prostitute to his parents' like fancy rich people Jew party baller, and uh, his mom is like, I know you brought a whore here. And he's like, "How did you know that?" She was like, "Because I too was once a whore." Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's like, "He's like, what? You're my mom." She's like, "How do you think we built all of this?" <laughs> no, I'm not even fucking around. That is yeah. the movie. That's hustle mindset, though. Yeah, and, then no, it, no. and then it cuts to girl uh, boss shit. Girl and boss then, shit. And then it cuts to Elle Fanning on Liv Schreiber's lap, telling him about how she watches Desica movies or whatever that scene was. This, this uh, movie sounds more revealing than Eyes Wide Shut, to be honest. <laughs> I don't think she ever actually. Said it's on his lap, but oh. you get the picture. <laughs> um, uh, not to disparage Woody too much. He'd no, be, a, like he'd be so, at the Eyes Wide Shut party. We're, we're so he would have a mask on at the Eyes Wide Shut party. It's true. He would, yeah. Uh, we've been so <laughs> negative on the Woodman this episode. No, he would not be yes, wearing be. a mask. <laughs> yeah, he he would. wouldn't need a mask. They'd just be like, hey, nice Woody Allen Yeah, you, you would recognize like, the oh, voice. You, oh, yeah, it's a mask. <laughs> Woody, just, Woody just doesn't have to wear one. <laughs> like, oh, Woody's here. I, I, oh, that's I don't wear a mask. <laughs> when it wraps around my nose, it messes 
sinuses with my sinuses. Oh, he's yeah, a funny he's a guy. To- he's a to- oh, wait. No, he wears face masks. So I was gonna say he's oh. a no mask guy. No, no, no he's not. He's, a, oh, come on, come on, yeah. dude. He what invented you, the mask. Yeah. <laughs> what he applauds our healthcare workers. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he wears a mask. He knows what's going on. Yeah, wear anyway. a goddamn mask. <laughs> Woody Allen said it first. Wear a mask. <laughs> Anyway, we're getting away from the, the 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 point of the episode here, which is the Purple Rose of Cairo. I don't know. Uh, there's not much there. I'm looking at my notes. It's just me being confused uh, because I, I, I think that, as I said, I wish more was explored in terms of like which side of the screen is actually real because we have that great scene of Mia Farrow entering the movie world and they have that great yeah. night out on the town montage, which is like, whoa. Did Woody just learn how to uh, tell stories with images exclusively? Like, is, is that the first time he's ever done that? Uh, but, uh, and, and that's a really lovely scene, and that is brought up as a question, like, uh, you know, which side is actually real? But, of course, it's just kind of disregarded in that, you know, sense of humor, uh, or with his sense of humor, rather than exploring it as a dramatic concept. And, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of leaves me as kind of slight, even though... I think a lot of it is very enjoyable. Um, any final thoughts on this one before you wrap up? Bullet ratings? Uh, well, I, I don't know. I kind of felt like it was pretty clear which side was real. Well, I don't know. It's not the shit. movies. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. Well, no shit. <laughs> but I, in a movie where movie characters are given livelihood. I'm not saying you sure, are sure, 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 <laughs> sure. You just want you just want to get him back. I don't know. I, I <laughs> you just want to get me. Yeah, back. forget I said that. Foul ball. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. I wasn't even trying to. I was. <laughs> I was trying to fucking keep up. Uh, say something interesting, but I uh, blew. Up, I stepped on a rake, as it were. Uh, <laughs> Damn sideshow, Bob Franco. All right. Uh, I'll give this two and a half bullets. Um, you know, I think there are, that's the thing that kind of, why I'm so focusing on these things, these ideas not being developed. Cause I think some of them are interesting. Like, I feel like, I don't know, like, uh, Mia Farrow falling in love with like the movie character or the, you know, the actual actor himself. That's something interesting that could be explored. I was thinking like maybe Woody was going to go metatextual and like, kind of like, uh, you know, girls always fall for my persona on screen, mm-hmm. but you know, in real life, you know, not as... But that's not that you know that it didn't really go there. It's more Stardust memories. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I think that's that's also why I I wanted this to fire a spark in me because you know I make a lot of Woody Allen jokes, but disp- I don't really like him. I kind of wish I <laughs> I kind of wish I liked him to like back up all yeah. the jokes and be like, no, actually, he's actually good. And just like the I don't guy in twenty twenty, he's trying to convince himself <laughs> that he actually likes Woody. Allen. Yeah. It's just like I don't like Woody Allen. I don't. I don't. I, don't, I think a lot of his sensibilities. Is there are, any Woody film? For you that you like? Oh yeah, my 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 family is the uh, not your huge. family. You well, let you. me fucking finish the point, okay. all right? All right? Jesus Christ! Um, <laughs> oh, uh, my my I'm turning my, them all against. Yeah, me. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my parents <laughs> yeah. were huge Woody Allen fans, so I saw them at a young age. I saw Annie Hall in Manhattan and enjoyed those. 
And then I think I got woke when I was 14. I was like, I don't know if I want to watch Woody <laughs> Allen. And now, that thankfully, all that's behind me. So <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to, you know, um, wow. enjoy some Woody Allen movies, but they just suck. He's, I yeah, mean, there's some they, good ones, yeah. obviously. There's yeah. probably some good ones, but this one didn't do it for I'll me. make you a Woody Allen playlist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, JT, what about you? Um, yeah, I'm giving this uh, three bullets. I really wanted to hang on to a three and a half here, but, like, talking through it and just, like, how disappointed... Um, I am, it's like, I had like, unlike Malcolm, I grew up with Woody. Yeah. That man held so much to me at one point. And like, I remember first hearing like that Woody Allen was a bad guy. It was like at the end of high school, (laughs) it was very funny being someone with internet access who had watched a lot of his movies to find out that he had done bad things. So I was like, (laughs) what? (laughs) It was like at definitely at too late of a point for it to be like, (laughs) for it to be credible. Oh yeah. (laughs) But, uh, that was very funny. Um, and just, I don't know. I like, I'm at a point now, like where I've seen enough movies and like Woody Allen was, I feel like was a nice intro to me as being someone that's like reflecting back on the medium Mm -hmm. and, uh, curious about enough, but I've just moved past that point as a cinephile for someone who's like, who has been continually doing the same thing forever yeah. to like different degrees of success. It's just like, I'm kind of over that now. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's enough charm here to remind me what I used to like about it, but just things that like, I don't know, not doing really anything with like the premise and just like his contempt for the working class being like, <laughs> like really at play here. Um, just, yeah. uh, it rubs me the wrong way. And it's like, fuck, like, I don't know. There's, there's enough memory where it's like, I know there was a wood man in my heart at one point, <laughs> but now fu- fuck him. I like, uh, I'll respect the hits, but I, I don't really like, I don't want to revisit a lot of the Woody Allen movies <laughs> I liked because I know I'm not going to like oh, them as shit. much. Yeah, I'm going to finish the filmography scene. I think uh, a lot of them are not good, but you know, I, I get a joy out of the bad ones too. Um, unfortunately, this was more of just like one of the boring ones for me. There was parts that I liked still, but frankly, I was kind of disappointed because I remembered this being one of the better ones. And I, I, I nothing really jumped out at me as being like definitive for an era of Woody Allen or anything like that. And uh, I, I think just comparatively, there's so much stuff from this era that I prefer. Uh, also, just a side note, Michael Keaton was supposed to play the Jeff Daniels role. Oh. Not <laughs> supposed to. They shot for 10 days. And then Woody Allen, his reasoning for firing him and hiring Jeff Daniels was that uh, Michael Keaton was just too contemporary to pass as a Depression era guy, uh, which is kind of strange because he just has Danny Aiello doing like 80s Italian guy. Like, <laughs> doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, I think yeah. he just hated Michael Keaton. Wow. Uh, maybe Michael Keaton was, you know, hanging around Mia Farrow a little too much. Yeah. Could have been. Could have been. Actually, I heard that. That's true. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. It is true. Yeah. This is the number one podcast for truth That's about so Woody awesome. Allen. Yeah. Just, no, no, I did hear that. Yeah, yeah. It's true. Someone, told, yeah. someone high up told me that. Yeah, actually, I should probably edit the Wikipedia page right now. Who was now. it? It was JT. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he told me that. Because it just says that it, like that's the only reason, but I should add that it was also yeah he was also dismissed from the set because he was having sex with Mia Farrow. <laughs> Michael Keaton, you know, he, he started as a stand-up, you know, the road dog in him never never went to sleep, never got put down. Uh, 
I'm going three bullets on this one. I'm kind of teetering on each direction, really. So I'm just going to land on three bullets even. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I've said my piece on this one. Rob, what about you? Um, well, so much like, you know, JT and Eddie and, and Malcolm, too, I guess uh, I grew up with Woody. Um, and it's very hard for me to for him to leave my heart. Like, yeah. it, it'll, always, it'll always be there. Um, this was... Aside from a, a rainy day in New York, which I could not watch, this is the first time I've watched a, a Woody Allen movie since Me Too shit happened. Wow. Yeah, because like that whole stuff was happening, and then Annie Hall, which is my favorite, was on TV. And I was like, I don't need to do that. It just feels weird. Um, now I'm starting to get back to a point where I can just separate, just because. Wow, man, I'm really no, proud no, of your no, progress. No, 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 God, I shouldn't have said that. Fuck. I'm more of a Polanski guy myself on that. Uh, front. Oh, no, no, but it's getting. It's, oh, no. it, it, it's getting. It, it, it's to a point where, like, once you start drawing these. Uh, lines of like oh no this guy is okay to to watch their shit but like uh, like Stanley Kubrick it's cool to watch his shit but Woody it's not and it's like at a certain point if you keep like drawing the fucking these boxes like it just gets stupid because it's like what I do um so I'm I'm starting to get to a point where I can step away from it and watch the movies not probably not manhattan probably probably won't be able to do that one um (laughs) but uh so yeah this is like first time woody in a while um and yeah i enjoyed it three and a half bullets uh the ending is four for sure yeah The, the ending is really really powerful and uh, aside, what are you doing? No, you said the ending is really powerful, and I looked at my notes to see what the last thing I wrote was. But I'm already on my notes for The Godfather, so uh-huh. I just re- I looked. My last note was a Sicilian never forgets. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's what this movie is. <laughs> oh jeez. Uh, anyway, well, I got I got really concerned. I thought you were laughing at me. I was like, no, yeah, no, not at I all. I feel I feel like what I'm saying is stupid too. But no, you no, you don't no, have no. to do it in front of my face. No, no, uh, no, no. <laughs> Um, no, uh, yeah, no, the ending, maybe Mia Farrow's best performance, uh, uh, top three for sure. Damn. I I think I like, in terms of recommending a Woody Allen film, uh, if we have to, uh, uh, (laughs) go to your head. Well, cause husbands, husbands and wives, I feel like Mia and Woody's performances are top of the line there because it's like the most directly, uh, reflecting of their personal life on screen at the time as they're yeah. getting divorced during the making of that literally movie. not talking yeah uh while Liam ne- you know Liam Neeson is getting in the picture you know uh Woody on screen getting cucked by Qui-Gon Jinn what a sight to see uh, and also crimes and misdemeanors of course I think those are the top two for me um yeah, I think that's going to retire Woodman for us tonight. Uh, we're going to put him down, and, uh, you know, you had a good run at it. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Rifkin's Festival out next year. Be on the lookout for it. It's true. DOD, Amazon. It's all true. That good shit. It's true. Um, as always, you can reach out to us at extendedclippodcast at gmail.com. We do have an email this week for our 
holiday, Christmas, and Hanukkah special. Uh, Rob, did you just... Oh, I thought you were waving at the screen. <laughs> no, I was, like, I was not. <laughs> email. Another, you, another trying thing you're Rob trying down. to pick. <laughs> we're getting really like hyper-analytic, like, all, all, all the like, body movements it, and like it, inflection it, of voices. It, and, it's like, hard to tell <laughs> where it's like... <laughs> I've mastered having three bodies in the studio. Adding a fourth really throws off, you know. It's a bodies in space moment. It is. I'm very much having a bodies in spaces moment. And here I thought we were all pals. (laughs) It's business. Uh, (laughs) So our email is from Felix Dembinski, and it says, Happy Christmas and Hanukkah, extended clip. I hope the Jewish Xmas special is going well. If on Christmas Eve, Santa Claus could leave one lost, unreleased, or unfinished, or missing original cut of a film uh, under the tree, what would you each pick? Ooh. There's a two part part of this question, but I'll wait till after. Do you, do, does anyone have any wait, unfinished? Wait, so, in, in the yeah, no, you go. I was gonna say, does this count like unreleased or like movies that never got movies development that, or uh, movies that either died during development, uh, the original cut isn't available, uh, you know, uh, stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, that was kind of my question. But so, like in this. In this uh, theoretical, the, the description is lost, would the movie unreleased? be finished? Would like if yeah. it was an unfinished movie in, in this uh, hypothetical? Yeah, it'd be finished. We're dealing with Santa Claus here, and okay. I, so I think, <laughs> we're, I think we're breaking the rules of reality slightly so that films can be finished uh, to the author's intent through the will of Santa Claus. Or uh, the Jewish Santa okay. Claus. I frankly feel like the Jewish Santa Claus sometimes. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, so, a lost, unreleased, unfinished, or missing original cut of a film. I mean, the OG answer, I guess, would be uh, the original cut of The Magnificent Ambersons oh, by Orson yeah. Welles. Uh, although I do love the 88-minute cut. Right. Uh, of course, you want to see what the real version of that would have been. I got two that came to mind immediately. I want the I'll do anything musical cut because oh what God, I yeah. what I saw you know from the work print just stellar shit. I mean Albert Brooks, put him in a musical setting. That's hilarious. That's funny right there. And then also I guess um, Tom Green had always reported that the original cut of Freddy Got Fingered was like three hours, <laughs> like much more like transgressive and and anarchic. And Damn, that movie exactly. you know kind of pushes it already. So I'd love to see this. Unreal to unfiltered raw version. Wow. <laughs> um, I have similarly two answers. I mean, first off, I would say any of the like lost Ozu. I mean, I don't, there's not one specific one from his silent era that I'm pining for, but any of those would be good. And also, uh, I haven't seen many Jerry Lewis, well, uh, but the yeah. day the clown cries. Well, it's of coming though. Yeah. It's coming. Supposedly. Supposedly. <laughs> at some point, but I want it now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just saying lost films, like there's so many silent films that are lost yeah. to fires and shit yeah. like that, uh, that it's just like unspeak, but you can't even start with how many lost films there are. Uh, even like, you know, so many of the legends of cinema, Ford, Sternberg, King Vidor, you know have films that have just been lost, which is like ridiculous to think yeah. about. Uh, Rob, any, any unfinished, any original cuts, any, any stuff like that, that you hanker for the Jewish Santa Claus for Harry Hanukkah to leave <sighs> under the Hanukkah bush. I mean, there, there's so many answers. It's hard to yeah, say of course. one. Um, I don't know. The, the film, uh, Theo, uh, Anglopoulos was filming before he died. Mm. That, that'd be cool to see. Damn. I, um, I didn't think about dead directors, but there's definitely a lot like that. Yeah, I mean, no, of course, he, Kubrick's Napoleon. 
Yeah. Yeah. That oh, would shit, have been yeah. ridiculous. I mean, I'll, I want to see De Palma's Weinstein movie. That yeah, I don't know if up. that'll ever actually that, happen I, now. I, I highly doubt that will Yeah, happen, that seems like it. I mean, with as crazy as Redacted is, I feel yeah. like that movie would take a similar tone. Uh, I mean, I'm just guessing. Yeah, I'm the yeah. De Palma expert. Uh, but I'd like to think I, you know, uh, am a fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that's definitely one of my most, I mean, in terms of things that are technically in development now, that's definitely my most anticipated film. Yeah. Also, I remember there was supposed to be like a Scorsese directed Mike Tyson biopic with Jamie mm. Foxx. I'd go and see that. Yeah. Hey, I'd, I'd see it. I'd see it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hell, I'd see it. Hey, uh, ever hear of the Snyder Cut? I'd like to see that. <laughs> yeah, I, I just want it I early. Can't <laughs> I can't wait to see that. I just want my own Snyder Cut all to myself, <laughs> baby. Um, part two to the question, right? Oh, uh, there is a second part of the question, which is also a two-part question into itself. Okay, whoa, uh, okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This person <laughs> needs to Felix, calm down. Felix is going Santa mode on these. Uh, he <laughs> asks, who are the future Santa actors of today? <laughs> and who did we miss out on most? Orson Welles as Santa? Oh, yeah. I think he answers his own question in terms of who we missed out on most. <laughs> that is number one with the bullet right there although i will say charles lawton as santa claus yeah. would be fantastic an joe, absolute unit if i ever did see one joe spinell santa claus would also rule <laughs> something i just thought of. i mean we missed out on uh jim gandolfini oh yeah that would have been that would have honestly if he made like a heartwarming kids movie like if he was the santa claus yeah I, i'd cry every time <laughs> Italian I, don't, santa. I don't know it's kind of a boring question because it's just like what fat actor like can we think of and like any of them is okay, like well, yeah who's yeah a, that works who's a skinny actor that can transcend None. body image and None. A sk- the skinny uh, santa. gary oldman tim allen was skinny santa <laughs> yeah but i mean yeah, he got he got yeah, he was a fat suit he but pa- uh tom hardy by the way, Christian Felix, Bale. Christian I Bale. I don't think it's a boring question. Yeah, uh, I, I thought the question I, was nice. I think it's a nice question. Uh, uh, once again, <laughs> <laughs> once again. Is there a reason you don't like Christmas? <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, fine. Who are the future Moses actors of today? <laughs> and who did we miss out on most as Moses? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see that movie either. <laughs> I like the Santa Claus question. Jesus Christ. You don't I have th- to like it. I oh. think if there ever was someone who could be the Jewish Santa, it's Adam Sandler. Oh, yeah. Like, for sure. Even if he didn't gain weight, just the fatherly presence is of enough. Of course. Yeah. I was this close to saying Eight Crazy Nights should be the... Yeah, I just that one is kind of boring to me, honestly. Yeah, no, it's, for sure. it's okay. It was it too, it was too obvious. It was, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hubie Halloween is his much better holiday movie. Well, I feel yeah, like sure. Michelle Piccoli would play a good Moses. Damn. <laughs> Going highbrow with that. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that's, just, that's who came to mind for some reason. Yeah, I no, no I get it. I get it. Who is that like Russian-looking dude who's in some Kubrick movies? He's in Paths of Glory, like that big guy. The oh, big guy. You know what I'm talking about. Uh. Uh, 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 the one who Tarantino loves. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh fuck! What's his name? Oh, this is bothering me because I I know it. The 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 guy who's in the killing. I think yeah. Yeah, yeah who who says the racist thing to the black guy? <laughs> yes. No, no, no. Because he's talking to the black guy in the killing, <laughs> and, and then he realizes I need to stop talking to this guy so I can murk the horse. Yeah. So so he just calls the guy the n word. <laughs> Yeah, it's a movie. I'm, yeah. I'm talk, the, talking about the movie. You're just in tune with like injustice, and you no, just it, it sticks with you. 
Because you're a passionate person. No. Oh, it's not Joe No, Charcoal. no, no, no. <laughs> That's a look, funny name, though. Joe Look Charcoal. up. Uh, <laughs> Let's just call him Ruski. <laughs> no, no. Mr. Go Red. On, go on the, look up the killing. <laughs> <laughs> you have a phone. Sorry. You can do this too. No, yeah, it's more fun. It's more fun to micromanage Eddie. <laughs> yeah. Rob's getting closer and closer to Eddie on the laptop screen. As uh, sorry, no, I just, I'm just giving. I mean, I'll probably just cut the full. Uh, Timothy Carey. Timothy Carey. That's right. Timothy Carey. Yeah, look at that. Uh, oh. He could be Moses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Completely not answering the question. Yeah. <laughs> what about Jim Carrey? That'd, oh. be funny. Uh, That'd be funny. I think he would play old JC. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, he is old JC. Oh, that's also true. Wow. <laughs> it's, meant to be, it's meant to be. Oh, that's JC, right. It's meant to be. Oh, that would be a good like Last Temptation of Christ style movie. Where <laughs> all with like 90s comedy <laughs> actors. <laughs> Uh, we're not going to plan it out, though, because we've already gone very long on this episode. I'm just glad we get to see Mel Gibson as Santa Claus <laughs> this upcoming holiday season. That's true. Fat Man is available now. Uh, this episode is sponsored by Fat Man. Fat Man. Uh, Extended Clip is an IndieWire podcast, and this week's podcast is brought to you by Fat Man, available on VOD. Thank you so much, Rob, for coming on the pod. Uh, where where can the people find you? Is there anything you want to plug? <sighs> No, just follow you. You all probably follow me on Twitter <laughs> at responsible Rob. And uh, yeah, yeah, okay, uh, yeah, okay. What about you guys? Um, just want to give some shout outs. Shout out to um, boy Sean. We were talking about Darman the other day. Okay, talking about shout out my boy Jack. He won the the raffle. Okay, and that's all. Uh, that's all for me for okay. shout outs. Um, I hope you keep your loved ones close this holiday season, but mm-hmm. distant. Mm, mm, very powerful. <laughs> um, Stay I'd safe. Like, I'd like to send a shout out to Charlie Chaplin from the grave. Um, just want to say, you know, shout out. Another problematic exactly. You know, yeah. so film you know, history. If this episode is about the Catholic ideal of redemption, then I think I'm going to convert and redeem Charlie Chaplin. That's what's up. Is that uh, what I'm allowed to do? Like a president gets one pardon. If you're Catholic, do you get one person that you get to hey, redeem? Here's, here's yeah. the beauty. You could just do anything and reconcile. <laughs> you don't even need to be a special guy. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Like Godard in Sarajevo or me with the little tramp. It's all about reconciliation. And that's how we're going to close out this Beautiful. week's extended clip. Beautiful. Um, we'll see you next week with... Next week will be the end of the year episode. I believe Nate Fisher is joining us in studio, and we're going to be talking about the best films, not of 2020, but that we watched in 2020. Because 2020, man, if you haven't heard it from me, you've heard (laughs) someone else say that this year is messed up, isn't it? Yeah, I much prefer 2019. And wasn't that a garbage fire? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 2018 was way better than that. Oh, man. And wasn't that a garbage (laughs) fire? No, true. 2017. I like that one just a little bit more. Wasn't. 2016 was good. There's some good things. That <laughs> yeah. 2016. Oh. A lot of, a lot of hopes. High yeah. hopes. A lot of good shit that happened. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Goodbye. I'm good. <laughs> let's say, let's say, for example, you have some gorgeous woman standing in your office, naked, and you're feeling her fucking tits. Now, what I want to know. I want to know, what are you really thinking about when you're squeezing them? Alice, 
I happen to be a doctor. It's all very impersonal, and you know there's always a nurse present. So when you're feeling tits, it's nothing more than just your professionalism, is that what you're saying? Exactly. Sex is the last thing on my mind when I'm with a patient. Now, when she is having her little titties squeezed, do you think she ever has any little fantasies about what handsome Dr. Bill's dicky might be like? 